I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often in hours. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one-day rule on its head and offer back-to-back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code DATABLE and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. Hello, everyone. We are back for season six. Thank you guys for an incredible two years. Julie and I are fully committed to this for the long haul. Yup, it's official. We've DTR'd and we hope you'll be along for the ride too. And keep spreading the word. We love building out the Dateable family and it's such a great treat to run into you guys at events, on the street, or even in my dance class, just absolutely crushing it on the dance floor. We're now at almost a million listens thanks to you guys. In the off season, we started doing some Facebook lives with past guests, which included Bottle Ned. Remember him, the guy who believes the secret to dating in San Francisco is to go out of San Francisco to date? And also Taylor who brought us some very exciting techniques for approaching people in real life. She also revealed that her real name is Melissa. So we'll keep doing these Facebook Lives throughout the season. Just follow us on Facebook and Instagram so you know when we're going live. For this season, we'll be rolling out something brand new. You ready? We'll be offering you a platform to connect with vetted dating experts to bring you profile reviews, coaching, and mock dates. We will only bring you people we trust so you can trust them to up your dating game. 
Look for that feature on our website at datablepodcast.com. Also for season six, we'll be going out of San Francisco. We've done this in the past. We've interviewed guests from other cities, but this season in particular, we've had quite a number of guests who live outside of San Francisco and date outside the city. So we're not just going national, we're going international. And lastly, Julie and I checked out a really great show called Fuck Tinder, A Love Story. It's a one-man show that starts out with some hilarious true dating stories, but then rolls up into a very touching love story with a twist. The show is touring the country with some new dates added to San Francisco. So go to the website f-tinder.com for all the details. It's definitely worth checking out. Okay, season six, here we go. The Dateable Podcast features real stories from real people of how they make modern dating work, or not. I'm your host, Yue, former dating coach turned dating insider, if you will. On each episode, you'll hear commentary from my producer, Julie Kraftchik, and other surprise co-hosts. This episode is brought to you by Hired Club, where friends help friends find jobs. You guys, we all know how challenging it is to find a new job, but Hire Club makes it easy. You can post a job or refer a friend for one. You can also get career coaching with professional career counselors to improve your resume, increase your salary, or practice interviewing and more. Join today at HireClub.com. Welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show all about modern dating. Today, we don't have our guest in the studio, but we do have him on Skype with us. Isn't it <laughs> great technology just brings us closer no matter where we are? We have Brian Howie on the line. How are you, Brian? Hi, how are you? We're good. Okay. So just a little intro about Brian. He's in his 40s. He's originally from New York and lives in L.A. currently. He is dating someone but has not defined the relationship. We're going to get to that in a sec. But what makes Brian really interesting is, first of all, you and I have a mutual friend, Julie Alexandria. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I called her earlier this morning to get some dirt about you. Her relationship <laughs> status has recently changed for the better. Oh, yeah. She recently got engaged. She's like the Aww. happiest can be. But Brian is the host and creator of the Great Love Debate World Tour and also an associated top-rated podcast. He has been featured on Fox, ABC, CNN, Entertainment Weekly, The New Yorker, and Esquire Magazine. Time Magazine named him America's number one dating enthusiast. Dating enthusiast. I like that. I like, I like that. that <laughs> and the Miami Herald calls him dating's leading influencer. And you can hear more about the great love debate because you guys have been on tour. You've gone to over 79 cities nationwide. That's crazy. That's We're awesome. up to 81. Yeah, 81. we did our three. Okay. Good for you. I actually three... went to one in New York a while back. Oh, wow. We did our 300th show uh, last week in Charlotte. 300 shows we've done. Wow. Can you tell us a little more about what the great love debate is for anyone that's listening that may not know? Well, we, we've traveled around uh, literally the world and um, in theaters and comedy clubs and other places. And we have uh, we bring together a couple hundred usually single, but not always uh, men and women. And over the course of 90 minutes in a fun, feisty uh forum we uh try and break down uh the walls and the disconnect between the men and the women and find out why all of these seemingly reasonable people are either single or single again or some of those who aren't single probably should be single uh, <laughs> See, and every sh every show is different every 
city's different. Every crowd's different. So it goes in all sorts of directions. Got it. So you've been to 81 cities nationwide, 300 shows. Have you gone international? Yeah. uh, Canada, we were just in Asia. We are going to all sorts of places because it's really the only thing that you go anywhere in the world that people can have an opinion on or share an anecdote on or or voice um, what they feel about love dating relationships. It's something for everybody. Being in all these different cities, you know, internationally, what are some of the recurring themes that come up from city to city? Uh, That the women want the men to try harder and the men want the women to make it easier. That's (laughs) That's literally the crux of the disconnect everywhere. This sort of blurring of the gender roles which Mm. you know we have changed uh societally but we have not changed physiologically and uh it's really caused a problem i mean over the last 20 years the women have gotten a little harder and the men have gotten a little softer and uh and so the reaction to that is everybody hides behind their technology but a lot of people blame the technology the technology is just the reaction the Mm. the action is things have gotten a little confused and uh you know, these shows tend to break down those walls because you're, you're forcing men and women to get in a room and, and have an open dialogue about it. It really helps. I mean, we've had that we know of over 40 couples get engaged or or eventually married for meeting at one of our shows. Oh, um, wow. Hash it out. And then <laughs> just a lot. And, and really, it's just the act of having an, an open communication and increase everybody's confidence. And most importantly, let everybody know that they're not the only one who's frustrated or has some issues or some pain or some regrets and mostly um, find the hope in everybody. That's sort of what we're doing. We're selling hope here. You are selling hope. But at the same time, you know, when you talk about the great love debate, the one I went to in New York, it seemed like it was just a bunch of women bitching. So how do you try to steer the conversation away from that negativity of bitching and complaining to a place of let's talk about things in a rational adult manner? Uh, well, I've done 300 of them. And to be honest with, with you, when we started, I was sort of amused by making it as close to Jerry Springer show as possible. <laughs> and I, I, I realized that that the next day or a couple of days later, people would wake up and re- and think, you know, I didn't. I don't feel better that I went to that. I really, you know, feel that it's a really scary place. So, you know, we start and sort of lay out here are the problems in this city and here are the problems in every city. And we sort of uh, over the course of 90 minutes or so, let everybody know why they're really not a problem if you do X, Y and Z and if you do A, B and C and um, and show that we're not as far apart as we think that we are if we can just uh do a handful of things that mostly come down to confidence and communication. And so, you know, the, the mood changes drastically over the course of, of an hour and a half or so. I'm super interested in these sort of gender disconnects that, we, you know, you have conversations about. I want to park that for later because first I want to talk about the different cities. Here in San Francisco, we always hear people complaining about their own city. I can't date in San Francisco because of this issue and this issue and this issue. You're telling us that there are sort of these underlying themes that are consistent across all cities, which is women want men to try harder and men want women to make it easier <laughs> for them. Are there any differences between these major cities? Yeah. San Francisco, for those of you in San Francisco who are trouble dating, San Francisco is absolutely brutal. It, is, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it didn't make our worst city in America for 2017, but it finished second. Wow. What's the worst um, city? The, the worst is Denver. Oh, interesting. And, uh, okay. Okay, that's good to uh, know because we have a lot of San Franciscans who want to move to Denver thinking it's going to be better. 
Well, no, I mean, Denver, it sort of just comes out of that Denver, the men are too soft and San Francisco, the women are too hard. I mean, ah, honestly, the, the, men San, the men in San Francisco always say the women here think they're too good for us. And the women in San Francisco say we are absolutely too good for you. <laughs> oh, my God. That's, that's so true. And that's really uh, a challenge. And, uh, you know, we've done probably seven shows in San Francisco, and it's one of the toughest places for us to do the show because... You know, uh, the women kind of have convinced themselves that the guys aren't up to snuff. But that's and, uh, been your and theory. They want to be validated in their misery. You always have this theory for years that there's just a big mismatch of men and women in San Francisco. There really is because, you know, I, I was in New York for seven years and then I moved to L.A. And now I'm in San Francisco. And when I moved to San Francisco, everyone was like... It's a gold mine for you. The the numbers are in your favor. You're just going to find someone right away. And I come here and it's just again a lot of single people complaining. And the, yes, the numbers are in our favor in some ways, but it's a huge mismatch. The people who are single well, I don't are, think the, I don't think the numbers are in your favor. I mean, why I think that that it's you know, a lot of the women are like, yeah, there's tons of single guys, but they're not the guys I want. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I mean. Probably true. It's a little bit worse down in uh, Silicon Valley. It's even worse Yeah. Um, in terms of, you know, they're not, you know, the women in San Francisco are not a real good match for the men in San Francisco. And it's sort of like if I put the women in San Francisco in, in New York, it's probably fine. Hmm. Uh, so let's go and, to New York. Let's. What is the issue in New York? Uh, the issue in New York is that people are so, I mean, you're surrounded by, by people every day and people, it's, it's really the loneliest place. And I'm from New York, so I can sort of say this. Mm -hmm. People are really, it's not a stop and schmooze and socialize. People go from point A to point B and then they only talk at the people, to the people at point A or point B. And there's not a real sense of community in New York City. It's also tough because you're never going to see the same person twice or three mm. times or four times like you would in a, in a smaller city where you would go to the same places or you'd go to the same happy hour and you would sort of totally. build up some momentum over time. New York, if you don't make your move in a moment, it, you, that person's gone. And mm. uh, that makes it a real challenge. New a York New York second. Weird. That's really good. Like and New Yorkers are, are the most uh, unapproachable bunch in mm. the yes. country. But people you know. say that New York men specifically are like more aggressive mm -hmm. and like all of that. What are your thoughts on that? I piece? think they are. I think they are. But they're being aggressive with a woman with women who don't really care about that. Or I mean, they have to. So if you took a man in, I tell the men in New York, move to Denver. The women will be open to your uh, playful aggression and you'll be fine. Like there's, there's certain cities that are just a little bit. You know, I always make the joke that the Statue of Liberty stands there with that resting bitch face uh, <laughs> sort of looking over the whole city. It that's totally so, has RBF. That's right. so true. So, and that sort of sets a bad tone for, for New York. Interesting. And, uh, you know, and the other problem in New York, uh, in New York City, and, and like in a lot of cities, the women there watched Sex in the City for a decade. Mm. Okay? Mm -hmm. Who did you want her to end up with? Big, big, the biggest <laughs> douchebag in the world. Guys notice that and they watch that. So they, they act like big, but they don't look like Chris Noth. So nice. it's a problem. <laughs> or have his status his, by uh, any means. Charisma. charisma. I, I have to agree. I mean, the seven years I was in New York, I dated the most ever in my life, but I was definitely the loneliest. And there were some low points in those seven years that ultimately resulted in me moving out of New York. So I, I would definitely agree with that sentiment. What about L.A.? What are the issues there? <laughs> the weather. 
Honestly, it really is the weather. Huh. The weather so nice every <laughs> single day that you can, you know, walk your dog, go to the beach, drink your wine, and have a, a reasonably satisfying experience without ever going on a date. So your incentive is not really there. The quality of life is, is pleasant alone. And so people don't have a real incentive to date or they look for reasons like, I don't want to sit in traffic. I don't want to go over there. I don't want to do that. It's too hard. And a lot of people, there's less actual dates going on in Los Angeles than just about anywhere you're going to find. Location is a huge deal in LA. If you're not within a mile of me, I'm not driving in that traffic to come to you. It's like two hours. Yeah. You'll drive 20 miles to get a cheap desk at Ikea, you know? (laughs) So their priorities are a little fucked. Exactly. People just speak. And because you're quality of day-to-day life is very pleasant generally you don't have any reason to shake that up by sitting across from somebody you don't know for an hour you know so people so interesting all of the warm weather nice weather places are like that phoenix is like that san diego is like that where the opposite if you go to you know minneapolis you better find somebody to stay warm with uh in the winter time and and it's mostly inside and so that does incentivize people uh to date you know, this is a, that's such a fascinating point because when I was in New York and I'm thinking about all of my friends who eventually define the relationship with their partners, it was all a result of some sort of weather condition. It was like <laughs> there was a blizzard warning and he came over and we shacked up for three days oh and that's when God. we decided that we were meant for each other. Like those are the moments that you really bond because you really can't even, be outside. It even adds to chivalrous behavior. Like if it's yeah. raining under my umbrella LA you know you're fine it's not like that that's hilarious what about looks in LA because I feel like that I've never lived in LA so I don't know personally but that's like the perception that's out there is that people are just very superficial or like looking to like date really young for men and whatnot I I think that's a uh, a little bit of a misnomer okay. I think they're they're looking to date young some of the men because they can um you know it, it's more of an insecurity thing but you know, the people aren't necessarily, you know, better looking here than anywhere else. It's just, um, you know, people don't need to really get into that emotional muck that traditional dating will, will, will happen. So when you go, when you look at people on a date in Los Angeles, they're both looking at the door. Got they're it. both looking at, at everybody else. Well, it's interesting because, like, there is that stereotype. That's probably, like, a 1%, right? Like, that is what you think of. But like- I mean, the, the, like, the high, high, high-end, high uh, you know, model on 63rd and 5th in New York, you know, she's better than anybody, but right. that's not the norm. Exactly. You know, there's good-looking people in every city. There's a lot of people here who are like, I'm going to be the opposite of that because I don't care about this stuff. And so there's a lot mm. of people who really uh, don't look so good out of choice. Interesting. And, uh, you know, but it is outdoors a lot and you are wearing less clothing a lot. I think uh, I think Lululemon has hurt dating because girls can look cute. <laughs> they can look cute at two o'clock in the afternoon. So they have no excuse to go on a date and get all dressed up. They can get the, the attention and compliments anyway. Well, here uh, people, men bitch that women just wear yoga pants all the time. It's like our so uniform here. <laughs> the the other Lululemon. Good gray sweats like 20 years ago exactly would you rather have me wear really tight lululemon leggings or in sweats (laughs) hello one or the other but then brian where is the best city to date in 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 your opinion in the u.s uh we named uh milwaukee wisconsin milwaukee i would think they'd be all married with like six kids by now milwaukee's like chicago without the bad parts Hmm. you know 
and 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 the good thing about most of those midwestern cities is that the men and the women socialize together all the time mm. like they'll start out they'll play sports together and they'll watch games and they'll hang out and you see groups of men and women together all the time in chicago and milwaukee and cleveland and those places mm. in the south or even Denver or Seattle, you'll see the men on one side of the room and the women on another oh. side of the room until somebody's drunk enough to cross at like 1130. That is and, so uh, SF too. <laughs> you know, I just did, we just did a show in Charlotte the other day and I said on TV, the only, like, there's no socializing between the men and the women that's not at happy hour or at church here. And, and they sort of were like, yeah, that's true. So Monday through Thursday, the men and the women aren't hanging out the way they are hanging out in, in Milwaukee. Milwaukee, you can go, you can bond over beer and cheese curds like nothing else I'm telling you um you know what there's a you bring something up that I think about all the time when I first moved to San Francisco there's a level of competitiveness between men and women here because you are literally competing for some of these tech jobs so there's that competitiveness of not like there's no camaraderie between the two genders but I think what you're what you're getting at is what I'm seeing too is in these midwestern cities where things are a little simpler there isn't that competitiveness well, yeah, the sim- you know, the simpler times, it was, you know, the guy asked out the girl and he picked her up and he took her out and he paid for it. And, you know, some of these other cities, I get they've evolved and it's a wonderful thing in a certain way. But I bring up this anecdote a lot that we did a show in San Francisco mm-hmm. and a guy stood up and he said, I don't hold the door for women anymore because they stopped saying thank you. Uh-huh. And, a woman, and a woman stood up and said, if you need us to say thank you, don't do it. <laughs> and and they're both right and they're both wrong. Does that make sense? Yeah, they're yeah. Both, they're both 100% right and they're both 100% wrong and that's San Francisco. Yeah. That's so interesting. So I think it's really fascinating that in none of this analysis you pointed to tech because people always oh, yeah. will blame apps. I, it, te- I know. Tech is the reaction to the change. Mm-hmm. If, if we took everybody's phones away tomorrow, they're still not talking to each other. Mm-hmm. People hide behind the tech because they're confused and they're scared. The men are afraid of being uh, rejected and the women are afraid of being hurt. And so let's have this barrier, but it's not the tech. The tech is the bandaid that is sort of holding together the confusion of, you know, people like, I don't know how old you guys are, but anybody who's over 35, we used to have to pick you up to go on a date. Oh yeah. Now it seems insane, you know, Uh, which it shouldn't, but that's the way it is. And so people, are confused because the, the, the switch got flipped. So until people sort of have either their confidence or their, you know, understanding what they're, what they're dealing with, everybody's going to hide behind technology. So before you know? we get into that, cause I know this is a much deeper discussion <laughs> before we get into that, I just want to play big brother for a sec. Let's just, let's just match up the different single people in each city. You're saying San Francisco <laughs> women would do really well in New York. Where should then the New York women go? Uh, the, the New York women, uh, they should go to Texas. Oh, they should go to Dallas. Oh, go South. Why is that? Because they would find a certain, uh, charm in, uh, in a Southern man that the Southern women know is bullshit. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I love it. That they would so almost true. get it like you know, when a New York woman goes to Tuscany and they sort of like that, uh, Italian man behavior, they mm-hmm. would get, they would like that down in, in Dallas. So basically we have to rotate the country 90 degrees. Okay, and, so where you know. do the Dallas women go? <laughs> or the Texas? Uh, the Texas. <laughs> uh, 
The Texas women um, should go to San Francisco. No, they should go to Chicago. No, the San Francisco men are not really going to get it done too many places. (laughs) Oh, shit. All right, guys. Oh, Uh dang. You hear that? I like that. I think the men can stop blaming the radio. But but again, no matter where we go, it's not that you haven't met the right person. It's that you haven't been the right person. And so a lot of that means that you have to sort of analyze. It's never really the city and it's never really the opposite sex. And it's never really, um, you know, we've done gay shows and we've done Asian shows and married shows and black shows and Jewish. We've done every possible denomination, every breakdown. And if you printed out the transcripts to all of them, you would not be able to tell in the first five minutes which group we're dealing with here. Interesting. Because still comes down to people have lost their ability, their, their, their confidence to communicate face to face. We had a woman come to our show in Chicago and, uh, she shared an Uber pool with a guy and you know what Uber pool is? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, in Charlotte the other night, they don't know what, they don't have it yet. Um, but, uh, she shared an Uber pool with a guy. She kind of liked him and she couldn't wait to get out of the car to find him online to say hello. That's where we are now. Instead of just turning her head right, she needed to get to the safety of the technology. And well, we, we weren't like that. We like, see that here, too. Guys could be at a bar, sees a girl, and then start swiping on Tinder, hoping to find her on their but app. But everyone here thinks that's unique to San Francisco. Right. I find fascinating. Right. It's they everywhere think... because we're at the point now where we need some sort of uh, virtual approval to, to say hello. And right. that's... That's something that's even gotten worse, obviously, in the last 90 days. Like, it used to be, if I came up to you, I might get rejected. Now it's, I might be a, a harasser. I might right. be a per- I might. And so, you know, the men are bailing, guys, ladies. They're, 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 ba- they're like 10% of the men who are like, I don't need the crap. Okay, and let's so, talk about that. Yes. I, I feel like you're pretty passionate <laughs> about this. The whole Me Too movement, all of that, today's climate. What are your thoughts on all of this? Well, I mean, what I've noticed since it, it happened was there was already a, a big pool of men that were already very, very close to just saying, you know what, we're two years away from virtual porn. I am out <laughs> and, uh, and get a reasonably satisfying experience with that. Good. Then on the flip side, about half the women are like, you know what, I'm willing to nuke it at all costs because, you know, I've been I've been itching for this fight for 20 years and I don't care what happens. And I I want and that's fine. And they have every right to do that, too. And then the other half of the women are like, shut up. You're going to scare off the rest of the men and we're going to have no shot. So it's like a three way battle going on now. Mm. Um, And a lot of the men, you know, we used to be you you used to be able to flirt at work. Yep. You know, that's kind of the thing. Now it's you can't even flirt after work. And so the men are like, what would you like us to do, ladies? And I've asked the women this, uh, you know, especially over the last three months, what would you like us to do? And because the women don't really have an answer on that, uh, because the difference between, you know, compliment and creepy is who's giving it. And, and the man has no idea how you're going to interpret whatever he's thinking or saying. So. I don't know how, I mean, the it's, women have no answer to that. It's confusing. I, I totally agree. It's confusing. Even for our podcast, sometimes I don't know if I'm offending anybody, if I'm saying something that's, you know, 
um, that's, uh, uh, you know, stepping out of boundaries. I don't know. I don't know anymore. It is confusing. And I agree. I think it's all on an individual basis. As for me, I need a man to take control. I need a man to also be assertive, but then also know when I am saying no, which is when I say no. Yeah. Well, it's hard. You're right. But sometimes, you know, and and everybody has a right to their story, but some of the most uh, publicized stories recently, the Russell Simmons story, Mm -hmm. the the Aziz Ansari story, nobody said no. Mm -hmm. There was no no. There was thought of no. There was 20 years later, I felt no. And so it's called regret. Yeah. Right. So (laughs) men are like, I don't need the crap. I'm not a mind reader. I'm not going to. And so. Again, you know, this was first brought up on our show uh, last year by Dr. Drew. He's, he's done our show. And he said that as soon as, you know, somebody's going to be able to put on a helmet and somebody who looks just like Blake Lively is going to tell him he's awesome and give him a reasonably satisfying experience, and that's half of Silicon Valley right now, mm-hmm. those guys are never going to ask out a girl, ever. And... uh and you could say, well, it's not as good. Well, they don't know that it's not as good. And it's, and it's enough. And so if we don't sort this out in like the next 18 months, <laughs> like it's really a huge problem. Yeah. But I mean, how can we sort this out? What is the solution here? Well, I think it's here? challenging because like there is obviously there's the people that are at the far end of the spectrum that we've like talked about. And I get why like the Me Too movement has come full force and definitely understandable but I hear what you're saying Brian I totally agree with it it's like for the 80% of men that are not like that way now it's just terrifying and like I actually am from Boston so I'd love to hear your thoughts on Boston too oh yeah um I think one of the Uh, things I found was I went went to Holy Cross so I know okay there we go so I know Boston pretty well all of my friends and I remember when I worked there so many people got married to people they worked with like it was a huge way to meet people like that's probably the most common way I felt like people I knew met waking time these are the people I mean you know that that's who you're going to be in contact with I don't know if you suddenly take that off the table which I think we do have to take that off the table then we better figure out a way to uh to fill up the other sort of 50 hours of waking time a week with uh, with interaction. Totally. But the problem with that is there's so much technology that can occupy your time. And, uh, you know, the guys love the video games because they feel they can win. They feel they can succeed at a video game. Mm. And so they're entertained and they're stimulated and, and they get an adrenaline rush that we used to have to go out to a bar to get, you know? And uh, I think the... It's not the blame, but it is the, the, the onus, the responsibility is the women need to get on the same page and they yes. are not now. And so the men are like, oh, A, they don't feel they have a voice in the, in the conversation and, uh, and B, they feel like that they're scared to say or make the wrong move or say the wrong thing. So until the women sort of not only get on uh, the same page as far as strategically, how do we deal with this? But also, on some level, have to acknowledge their role in this. Mm-hmm. And a lot of women get mad at me, but there's a. I live in Los Angeles. There's a thousand women who would screw Harvey Weinstein tomorrow to get a part. Still, okay. And you can't just say that that doesn't matter. It absolutely matters because it sets an environment where this happens. 
And I, you know, a lot of the women are like, that's crazy. That's mansplaining. I don't know what you're talking about. But hey, a lot of times, the, you know, the, the, a lot of the women's problems come from other women. I, I hear think- the women all. I hear women all the time criticizing uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, uh-huh. uh, which you don't agree with her in the way she does her job and her politics. All I hear is people picking on her looks, and that's women, and that's girl-on-girl crime. And I think until that stops, the men sort of look at that tacitly as approval to act the same way. I, I agree. I think women need to get on the same page because we use sexuality when it's convenient in certain contexts. Mm-hmm. So it's either for power or it's either for um, to play the victim. And we need to figure out what sexuality is because I think, you know, I agree. I think we still live in a, a society where we put men with high statuses on a pedestal and women are willing to do whatever for these men. And the, the reason why these behaviors are happening is because someone told them it was okay. And it wasn't another man, it was women who told them it was okay. So we got to start with behavior of how we want to treat sexuality and how we want to use it. And, it, you know, this whole like sexual liberation, I it's OK for me to sleep my way to the top. Well, let's be consistent about that. Like, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, there is nothing less empowering that than hearing we're all victims all the time. Like, I, you know, right. like, I don't understand that. And I don't know how that uh, that does good for anybody. And it certainly doesn't do good for for dating culture. But. You know, you have to look at it now like if you're a guy, uh, it might not be worth it anymore. And it's already not worth it for a lot of guys anyway. I totally get that. Like, I mean, the consequences are just too far. But it's tough because, like, women are more, like, independent. We obviously see this in San Francisco, as you pointed out, too. And, like, there's something amazing about that. We don't want to discredit that. But a lot of us, even if we are more independent, still want that, like, masculine male to step up. But you know one thing you can do as independent women? Stop saying you're independent women. We get it. We yeah. can see. Oh, you don't need us. There's no reason to say it. It only says one it only says two things. It says to the men, I don't need you, and it says to yeah. other women, I'm better than you. Yep. Because it I think all women are independent women, you know? So yeah. I, I think that too. So so getting rid of that, because the men here all day long, I don't need you, I don't need you, that if we don't work it out. There's only going to be 20% of guys left who are out there still trying, and those guys are going to be douchebags. Yep. <laughs> yes. And that is exactly why I would say this. We have to involve each other. Like, this mm-hmm. is my issue with the whole lean-in discussion is that it, it didn't involve men. We need to involve men in these discussions. And from the male perspective, I would invite men to interject. Come join the conversation because well. sometimes we don't – you, you just got to get in there, like through your sister, through yeah. your mother, through someone you're comfortable with, because we need to hear from you guys, too. And I, I think we as women need to be more welcoming. of. Well, I, I'm going to an event tonight where uh, it is uh, honoring men for um, for whatever, for supporting women or something. And the event was almost canceled because so many women were like, we should never honor men. Wow. And uh, it's really bad. And so the women are mad at the other women. And uh, and uh, yeah, I am I am not, you know, I, I would say I'm in the hope business. I am not nearly as hopeful. I, I, I never thought things would get better, get worse than they were after the election in, in 2016. That was very man against against woman. And it, but things did get better. And by the middle of last year, you could sort of feel it around the country. And then now it is just yeah, the uh, it's not good. Yeah. 
It's time to take a quick break so we can tell you about the latest service we have been building over at Datable. We'll be offering a platform to connect you with vetted dating experts from our network to help with everything from dating profile reviews, coaching to see where you're getting stuck in dating, and even ways to get real feedback about your dating style. The sessions typically run from 30 minutes to an hour and can all be done via Skype or Google Hangouts so you can be anywhere. We're so excited about this because so many of you wrote in asking how you can find people to help up your dating game. And this should be a great way to get personalized, affordable advice. We'll be adding more coaches and more services. And of course, let us know if there's something specific you'd like to see. To meet the coaches and book your session today, visit datablepodcast.com slash coaching. Now back to the show. So... All that being said, I know <laughs> earlier you said, like, doesn't matter where you live, you can make the best of your situation. You can create the love life you want. What are your tips for people? Uh, that you cannot operate out of fear. And, and you have to, and you can also don't have to judge everybody by one bad one. And mostly, you got to stop bringing your baggage to the table. You have to not be afraid to to communicate somebody face to face. And it doesn't always have to be asking somebody out. It doesn't always have to be sexual. I always tell women, go up to Home Depot and just start asking questions. You know, the more we get comfortable just talking to each other face to face again, like mm-hmm. that, that is the key to all of it. The more we can get comfortable sharing space and, and time and do things around each other um, without it necessarily even being dating, that, that I think that's the first step. And, and you can do that all over the place. You can go volunteer or do networking events or join meetup groups or anything where men and women, you know, are having conversations in a shared live space. And once we get back to that, I think then we can start pairing up again. And bringing it back to San Francisco, I don't want to give any more fodder for women in San Francisco to complain about men. So what are some ways that men can improve their dating lives in San Francisco? Um, again, the fact that, you know, the woman in San Francisco wears the term bitch as a badge of honor. She's like, you think? She thinks it's a compliment. And so the guy is going to have to, uh, deal with that and, and invite women to do things with them and not be afraid to have conversation with them and don't take it to a, a, uh, sexual or a conquest place right away. You just got to, to, you know, Find a way to share it to for these women to understand that you do have a lot to offer and that whether it's your conversation or your thoughts or your humor or or even your chivalry, yep. um, a lot of the women still deep down, you're just going to peel away one more layer in, in San Francisco than you do in, say, uh, Detroit. But um, <laughs> well, uh, the juice is worth the squeeze because you're going to, once you can get uh, in sort of inside of her mind and her heart and all that kind of stuff. Like you do have a better uh, woman there in San Francisco than just about anywhere, you know? So I think what you said earlier, this like line really resonates with me. Like women need, or men need to try harder and women need to make it easier. I think that is probably like a universal for That is. And then to take that a step further, it's basically that uh, women look for red flags and men look for green lights. And that's sort of the, the sort of the subtext of all of that. Mm-hmm. It's what's wrong with him. How is this going to go bad? You know, okay. what, what is that? Is He's probably, I have my, my friend on speed dial for when I'm on a date. And, and the men just aren't like that. The men are fundamentally more optimistic, or they were till 90 days ago, uh, <laughs> than the women are. Um, 
and I'm not sure, you know, no, why get, that is. I've been guilty of that. I think it's like it's baggage. It's baggage, it. and it's you know, it starts at at, uh, at a young age with the fairy tales and the ideal and Prince Charming and this certain kind of guy, and then when a regular guy doesn't quite feel like that or look like that there's a level of expectation that even when he's doing pretty good it doesn't feel like it's getting met and uh you know there's a lot of insecurity and and pain and and we all have that the one thing that i learned from doing all these shows that i really did not understand and that's probably reflective of my own self than anything i had no idea how many men um are afraid and how many men are in pain from some Somebody who may just not have even paid any attention to them when they were 17 years old, mm-hmm. literally. And the men don't know how to process it and uh, and they don't know how to deal with it. But that being said, I think there are more. I think there's a larger pool of good men in America than has ever existed in the history of this country. I think there's more men asking questions. There's more men doing the work. There's more men going to therapy. There's more men open to a lot of things, that, uh, to being vulnerable. And a lot of that then... You know, women are like, oh, there's jerks now. Well, what do you think you were dealing with in 1974? Like, those guys were <laughs> on picnic. So about 20 years ago, you know, the women are like, we wish the men would get more vulnerable and more sensitive. And on one hand, that's, a, that's you know, not exactly what you want. But the men are trying. And I see that all the time. Like, I agree you with know. you. I think that's a great thing of what is going I, on with all this gender stuff. Yes, but also it needs to stem from education. I feel like men are trying to relearn what it means to be a man and yeah. nobody's really teaching them. So they're just looking on the internet. They're looking for all sorts of resources on YouTube to find out like, what does this mean to be a man? I have to say, I really think San Francisco attracts men who do have that pain and baggage from earlier in their childhood, from high school, from middle school, they bring that baggage here and they become really recluse and they don't know how to speak to women. And then that feeds into women's frustration. And then that's what creates these really tough independent women in San Francisco. This is the first city I've ever lived in where I will hold a door for a man and he won't say thank you. That well, frustrates me. He's, he's embarrassed, but I mean, I, you know, not to, I'm in the uh, generalization business, so I'll just sort of make this comment. There's a lot of uh, very smart, um, maybe techie guys in, in your community, and a lot of them are socially awkward, and a lot of them uh, are dealing with a lot of pain and rejection from 20 years ago, and just the fact that they have a good job and they have money uh, does not always manifest itself in a positive fashion. Mm-hmm. They still lack the the social uh, training and mores to sort of even engage one on one, and that doesn't really play well. Well, um, especially now, women have the same jobs and the same pay, so it doesn't hold as much that it well, once did. Not the same, not pay, the same yet, pay, but almost. we're still fighting for that. But, you know well, what I mean? Both, like, we're but, not. You as, know, it's not as know, like financially dependent anymore. It doesn't not, like it's not you as much. But he still wants to pay for your dinner. Yep. So don't, so don't offer. <laughs> you know, and uh, and there, there's ways that that the women can sort of set an environment where his confidence can can flourish. I brought up the the Tuscany example all the time. You guys go over to Italy and you eat up the same behavior that would get a guy arrested here. The women are like, oh, my God, these guys were so overtly sexual and we loved it. But the guy does it in you know Tucson. And yeah. He's a pervert. And, it's, con- and, it's context. 
yeah, men are very confused by that. They're like, I don't, I, but she liked it there. She liked it from that guy. She liked, and, and so there is, so the inconsistency leads to confusion, leads to nervousness. And sometimes nervousness makes it seem creepier than it really is. But then on the flip side, like you've heard this quote, like, I think, Ashley, maybe this quote came from you, but (laughs) I'm like, where did I hear You've heard this quote from me. (laughs) But it was like, anything that you do, if you like, if you like someone, anything they do is cute. And if you don't like them, anything they do is creepy. So I don't think that, like, I think that's something that's always been there. And it's so subjective to that person. Like, well, that's, that's what I think we have to do. Even if you're talking about just like going up to somebody at Starbucks, the women have to understand how hard it is now in 2018 for a man to approach. And so you have to adjust your body language accordingly. And the men have to understand from the women's perspective, how often the women get approached by people that don't want to do. So we all have to start sort of looking at it from each other's perspective and talking about it. I mean, that's why, you know, people come out of these great love debate shows and after listening to our podcast and whatever, just having these conversations goes so far in, um, in bridging the disconnect. Absolutely. We need to open up that conversation. I actually want to ask about you, Brian. You are currently dating someone. Yeah. You haven't DTDR. Did you meet this person in LA? Well, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then what has been your love well, life? Well, I don't know. Like? She's very private. That's why I'm like, I don't know. Yes. What has your love life been like? Have you been married before? Terrible. No, I've, been, I've never been married. So I needed to get find somebody who didn't hold that against me, although you should hold that against me, and <laughs> understood what I needed to go to that uh, scary, vulnerable place that is unnatural for men to go to. You know, so it just took the right combination of A, me doing a lot of the work, B, listening to all of these uh, great love debaters, you know, sort of make their cases and what's wrong, and then C, finding the right girl who didn't judge that, well, he's in his 40s and he'd never been married and what's wrong with him, whatever. And it's just like, I'm okay, let's figure this out together. Like, that's sort of the key to it. You know, it's the same with the man. The man needs to set an environment where she can feel safe and goes both ways. And I was ready and I'd I'd done a lot of the work that I talked about earlier. And so I was capable of sort of finding somebody and make it work. Great. Good for you. Good for you. Okay. Some takeaways? Yeah. Let's go on to some takeaways. I have a, a lot of takeaways from this conversation. <laughs> uh, Brian, I have to be honest, before before talking to you, I was like, I feel like I'm going to get into some sort of argument with this guy. I don't know why. I feel like he's really opinionated. But I'm pretty much in line with everything you're saying. Um, some of the takeaways are, I think empathy is a big yeah. one. Thinking about the situation from the other person's perspective that's something that can help bridge this disconnect between these two genders. But also um, this idea of like inclusiveness. I really think inclusiveness is so important in the discussion. We can't talk about one thing without the other. So we can't talk about the current climate without the other gender involved. So we got to um, be more inclusive in that. And I like inclusiveness because it actually kind of goes to another point that's different that Brian made about just like, in the Midwest, the genders like hanging out together and yes. doing a lot of stuff, and then in other places, separation. So it's like find ways, like obviously, to include in the larger issues about gender roles in society, but also like how do you include people in day to day and like yeah. get connections that way? Yes. Yeah, I mean, 
I mean, I know like a lot of people are like, uh, you know, you're going to come at me or and we're going to argue and have a difference of opinion. But I went into this five years ago with a with a, you know, my own personal perspective on things, but mostly a clean slate. And I've heard from over 70,000 real live people face to face. This is not great. Love debate is not is not some like anonymous thrillist 1500 people survey. This is the largest social experiment that's ever been undertaken on this subject matter. So we do have the data and we yep. do have the feedback. So what I'm saying is this is the consensus of the overwhelming majority of the way men and women feel. People can either deal with it or, you know, be the outlier and, and be the woman who, you know, I don't care, I, you know, or the man, I don't, I'm fine. But the 85% the of people in the middle, these are the answers and, yeah. and you can deal with it however you like. Well, I think that's a good point segue to one of my takeaways is like, I love this topic about location because mm-hmm. we hear on this show so many people blaming location. And like you said, there are differences in location, but at the end of the day, there's these larger gender roles and then the reaction with technology that is universal. So it's like, how mm-hmm. do you find, look to yourself, like how do you find ways to make it work in the city that you're in? Because there's a reason you went to that city. Like I love hearing that like Milwaukee is like the best city, but like, let's be honest, I'm probably not going to relocate to Milwaukee. You're is not, that, but ex- then you should look at the number two city, which is Charlotte which is where I just was. People do relocate to Charlotte every day. <laughs> I, I'm and probably not going to do that either, but that's, I think, I guess my point is, my point is how do I make it work here? And like, I love this point of empathy of like, next time a guy comes up to me, instead of having RBF and like not being kind of like welcoming, even if it's not someone that's necessarily who I think is my type, like having that empathy to them that this is one hard these days and more making it like, either that it could be something that could lead somewhere, like having that openness, but also even if it's not, just realizing that if I reject them, that's impacting some other woman that they're going to go up to. Yeah. I mean, I tell people that, you know, never blame the city, but at some point you can blame your own stagnation within a city and moving somewhere. However, there is one change that every single person can make tomorrow that will affect you immediately and not just the way you perceive yourself but everybody around you i would say that the day of the year that the most people in this country are the most confident is halloween Mm -hmm. okay nobody judges anybody on halloween everybody has fun you can be anything you want to be and be you're sort of liberated free of judgment to do anything you want so i would say take that playful costume confidence into every single day of your life meaning wear a color that you don't normally wear or an accessory you don't normally wear suddenly you will send off sort of a body language that is more playful than you normally would. You'll start getting uh, attention from people you wouldn't normally. Then you'll move up to ordering something off a menu that you wouldn't normally Mm -hmm. order. And then eventually you'll move up to dating somebody that you probably thought is not my type. And everybody should get rid of the words, not my type. Because if you're 30 and you're still single, you have no type. And you you know, that really is why people in the Bay Area love music festivals. They love Burning Man. It's that exact same feeling from Halloween. Running naked in the streets. Exactly. What San Francisco is at its most fun, which is awesome, is when it has a sense of community because of some wardrobe thing. Yes. that's definitely what's working even if for you're San Francisco. At, uh, at yep. uh, ATP Park and everybody is in uh, giant, giant gear, gear. Yeah. 
they are liberated to scream and yell and show personality and do things because there's a camaraderie of the costume. And so mm-hmm. I tell people, ladies, stop wearing black. I know it's slimming, uh, but we don't notice it, you know? The men are looking for shiny lures. So if you have to go out. It's true. Even Julie at the last um, great love debate you guys had, Julie was co-hosting with you. And she said, ladies, here's a tip. One, go out when it's raining because, you know, nobody cares what your hair looks like when it's raining out. And then two, wear bright color, like light colors. She wears white all the time in New York because she stands out right away. She understands that in, you know, the sort of if, uh, if you're an art history major, you know that the. The, the eye is drawn to the lightest thing in the room. It's true. And you know, once you're on the date, get more attention. Once you're on the yeah. date, wear black. But to get the date, you should be dressed like a pumpkin. Or you should be dressed <laughs> in, a, in, in a, you know, credit to the women in Los Angeles. They will go out with a uh, tiara and a bow oh, on yes. to, get, to go to the grocery store. Yes. And it, to the man, that seems fun. That seems playful. She's a lot more approachable than if she's just, you know, sure. head to toe in black with her head in her phone. I love so you it. have sure. to understand that we can make each other a lot more confident if you, we just make these subtle changes that everybody's capable of, of making. And here's another subtle change. This is what I'm learning is that misery loves company. So we yes. got to avoid that crowd influence. I mean, it, the you know, that the love, the great love debate, the one I went to in New York, I was telling you about. It was a bunch of women bitching, and it was like they came in and said, I'm looking for a good man. And then one next to them was like, girl, I know what you mean. I'm looking for a good man. Where are they? We have to avoid that kind of mentality. Yeah, we change. You know what? And it's funny you bring that up. Our New York shows used to be that way because mm-hmm. I sort of liked – I wanted to take on the bitchy women. But now <laughs> our shows are packed, completely sold out every month, and it is really healthy dialogue going on. Good. So part of that, Good. That, was, yeah. that, that session, I want to say to these women, well, then bring some men from your lives into the discussion. Bring, Invite them. Right. Why are you here by yourself? Because they wanted to blame this. They wanted exactly. to be uh, validated in their misery. They wanted to hear there's no good men yes. in this city. Yes. And well, that's... So- yeah. That's definitely what happens. Like blaming your city is the easy way out. <laughs> also on the flip side, because I don't want to just say there's all these bitchy women bitching all the time. But on the flip side, I hear this in San Francisco all the time. I met guys who are like, I've given up on dating. I've I've decided that it's just not for me. I don't need love in my life. And then they go back and play video games with their roommates when they're like 40 years old. And that's yeah. also misery loves company. It's a different it sort is. of bitching, right? Or- to the guys, the juice is worth the squeeze. You know, yep. you're gonna have to uh, to understand that that there's only so much satisfaction you can get from uh, an inanimate object, and you're gonna have to <laughs> it, it roll the dice. <laughs> That's the takeaway. <laughs> That's the takeaway. And on that note, let's go on to our question of the day. This is a good one. Okay, this question comes from Brad. He says, I have a hard time going in for the first kiss. Every time I feel like I'm getting into her personal space, and in light of today's climate, I just don't know if it's appropriate behavior to just go in for the kiss. Should I ask for permission? Uh, <laughs> I, it, it depends on how you ask. Uh, you know, we hear, again, that's another thing. Good question, because some women are like, just throw up us against a wall and kiss me, and some women will arrest us for that. I would say something <laughs> like, uh, sorry, I you I just can't pay attention to what you're saying because I so want to kiss you right now. Yeah, like make it, mm. make it playful. fun. Yeah, make it fun and bring it to her attention that this is what I want to do without it seeming like a question. 
I like declare that. that you want to do it without asking do you want to do it. Well, there's a very difference of that approach versus like, can I lean in for a kiss? Like, yeah. that's meek. Like, what you're saying is, like, sexy. Or, or kiss him and say, you would kiss you if you were me. You know? <laughs> that's true, sure. yeah. Again, if you try and kiss her and she didn't want to be kissed, you're now a harasser. So who knows? <laughs> well, this brings back to uh, someone posted a screenshot from what you wrote into this group that Julie and I are part of. And this is from October 15th, 2017. You wrote, women absolutely want to be kissed on a date without prior consent. Nobody wants to ask consent for a kiss. Trust me. And this <laughs> elicited 47 comments from men and women. Some totally agreed with you. Some totally didn't. Do you, are you aware of this discussion at all? Do you recall? Uh, I... I say a lot of stuff that gets sent around the internet. Uh, yeah, I stand by that uh, because I've heard from most of the women that they they would prefer the spontaneity in a moment from a guy who they want to kiss them. If she does not want him to kiss him, it doesn't matter how he asks her. Right. Okay. So basically, the the caveat on that is from a guy she's interested in, she, she's just like shut up and kiss me, and that's true. So uh, maybe people misread the context, but I, I totally stand by that. Yes. But some they, women on this thread did say, well, that's I need consent. So I need a guy to at least know I'm I'm consenting to him wanting to kiss me. And then the men were saying, well, then how do I know consent. what is consent yeah. then? There's this episode of this TV show, Younger, where like this guy is like this like huge feminist, and they're like in bed. He's like, "Is that okay? Is that okay? Is that okay?" And it's like she's like, "Just shut up and like fuck me, basically." And it's like, right. Well, here's the problem with you know, I see these dopey apps going around and consent that a lot of times, well, once you grant consent, it's harder to take it back, uh, or st or stop it after that. So mm. you know. Sometimes the verbal thing doesn't really work either. But yeah, the, the overwhelming majority of women, if they like the guy, they want him to kiss her. And if they don't like the guy, they don't. And because there's no way for him to know until he tries to kiss her or even ask, it's sort of the same result either way. If he tries to kiss her and she doesn't want to kiss him, it wasn't going to work out in the first place. Right. Doesn't try to kiss her and she wanted to kiss him. That's not, that's a problem too. Huge problem. I think maybe ease into it a little more. I mean, I'm not a man, so I don't want to speak fully. But as a woman, maybe touch her leg like playfully if she said something funny and see what the reaction is there. Mm -hmm. Like you could tell if someone is into that versus not. So it's also like a little bit of a buildup because I think too, if it just comes out of nowhere. So like if you tap her leg and she moves away... Maybe not a sign to go in for the kids. Again, no, your signs are a level only dogs can hear. Like, you think <laughs> that, we can, that we can interpret a gesture? Like, we cannot. Uh, like, know. there's no way. You could be like, body language, yes or no? We really can't tell. Yeah. I just I just learned something on my podcast last week. I, I, I never even heard of this, that if you sit uh, at the bar next to me and the right leg is crossed over to the left and like the toe is pointing to me, that that means you are interested. And if your legs are crossed the other way, you're not. Oh, like, that's very scientific. Um, yeah, I think exactly. I and I'm like, I would have way. never picked up on that. Like, you gotta be kidding me. If you like me, I mean, I think that's the answer is to say the way I said it before, but that wasn't asking permission. That was making a statement that I would like to do this. Yeah. And that's, 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 that's a good different. point. I agree. Like the, 
even though that was just my suggestion, I totally get what you're saying is that every person reacts differently and it is sometimes hard to tell. And so, I'm glad that I stirred the pot in your world because that's my... Yeah, I'm, now I'm, I'm I'll a, know I'm that my subtle body language doesn't do true. shit. I, I still think we have to uh, um, exercise empathy because um, back in the day when I was like trying to be an actress and I went on this audition and one of the scenes was I had to kiss a girl. And I, I had to lean in for the kiss. And I'm telling you, my palms were sweaty. It was the most nerve-wracking thing in my life because I didn't know how she was going to take it. I didn't know if I'd be a good kisser. Oh I didn't God. know how I should hold her face. I mean, all of it was, like, nerve-wracking. So I think we should think about it from the other perspective. Yeah. I, that's a good... I try to make it easier for the men. If they lean in just a little bit, I will lean in and meet them. That's well, consent. you know, it also, it, it also helps if you compliment him yep. once in a while. We don't ever hear that from a woman, ever. We rarely hear you look good. Oh, we that's tell you, not true. But. We don't hear it. We rarely hear it. But the other thing, you said you were an actor. You tried to... Uh, a good actor learns that the if they don't get the part, it just means they weren't right for the part. It's not about them personally. They don't yep. take it as rejection. Oh, and I think sure. the men, that's a good lesson too. Totally. You might have just caught her in a bad moment and she didn't pay attention. These guys were afraid of being rejected. Like, you lost like five seconds of your time. Like, who really cares? Yeah, who really And cares? you're going to have to get over that, uh, guys. You're going to have to not be afraid or think that it's just about you, that yeah. she hated you. She might have just had a bad day. Right. And don't bring that to the next girl. Even if she wasn't into you, right. it doesn't mean the next girl won't yeah. be. Yeah. And if you get rejected, uh, you know, a hundred times and, and then it's 101. Well, good. It should be. I mean, so what? Like, yeah, who cares? you know, you're not going to remember that person in five years anyways. Yeah. Or in one year. Yeah. Let's wrap this up. This, this was is great. Fantastic <laughs> conversation. Now, if people want to be part of the great love debate, where can they go next? Where in the world can they see uh, you next? Well, go to greatlovedebate.com. You will see our live tour schedule. Um, we have upcoming shows all over the place. Go there. And you can also uh, find the link on there to our podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Um, we have celebrities talking about this stuff all the time. And, uh, you know, we're always looking for more ways to continue the conversation beyond, beyond um, you know, our live shows, our podcast. We think it's something that, you know, dialogue should be happening 24-7 between the men and the women. So we try and, and do that. And we are coming back to the Bay Area, I think. I think oh, we're coming yeah. to Sunnyvale. Let us Sunnyvale. know. And you have, like, U.S. dates, like, all in other cities, yeah. too, coming up? Okay, awesome. Yeah, they're all they're all coming up. And we're, they're on – go to greatloaddebate.com. You'll see our tour schedule, and it's being updated, like, daily. So if you don't see your city on there, don't panic. We'll get <laughs> awesome. uh, And, Brian, if people want to reach you, can they find your contact info on that website, too? Yep, there's a big button. It says talk to Brian right there. Greatlovedebate.com <laughs> and you can talk to me. No need for signals there. It's all you know, in flashing yeah, lights, exactly. like 2000 style. I consent. I'm bad. I'm just as introverted as anybody else. Like after these shows, people want to talk to me and I just want to go to Waffle House, you know? <laughs> so I need to get better at that too. So. Well, here's a tip. If you want to meet Brian, just go to a Waffle House. <laughs> Talk to me uh, over some pancakes at the Waffle House. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Well, thanks so much for being a guest on our show, Brian. This is we've been wanting you as a guest for a while. I'm glad this finally worked out. Um, great discussion, and I agree. Let's just keep the discussion going. It doesn't have to end solution. here. It's yeah. the only solution. And, yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Brian. We're gonna wrap this up by saying, stay, stay dateable. Your action item for this week is to reframe the way you view your city. Next time you bitch about how terrible dating is in your city, do two things. One is reframe it. 
think about all the great things that are great about your city and dating. And the second thing to do is call up a friend who's single and dating in a different city and ask them what's wrong with their city. I guarantee you it'll make you feel a lot better. This episode is brought to you by Hired Club, where friends help friends find jobs. You guys, we all know how challenging it is to find a new job, but Hire Club makes it easy. You can post a job or refer a friend for one. You can also get career coaching with professional career counselors to improve your resume, increase your salary, or practice interviewing and more. Join today at HireClub.com. If you didn't know already, we have a revamped website with articles, videos, and content all about modern dating. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We've had some great feedback about how actionable these episodes are. So check them out on our website or iTunes Music. Also, visit the site today to see the latest about coaching, where we connect you with datable approved experts to help with everything from dating profile reviews, coaching, and even gathering real feedback about your dating style in a personalized and affordable way. To connect with us, visit datablepodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under Datable Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and auto-download the podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast player so you never miss an episode. 